Welcome back to DDA's Encouraging Abilities podcast, where we talk about anything and everything related to the disability community, pri- primarily the developmental disability community. I am your host, DDA Communications Manager, Evan Kelly. Uh, Today is actually part three of our Accessible Sports series. We've done podcasts with BC Sportability and Sirota's Martial Arts Academy. Today we're talking with Mindert Hinlopen, I hope I'm saying that correctly, who is uh, getting people with developmental disabilities involved in working out and uh, working with him, a personal trainer. Now, uh, Mindert is a graduate of SFU. He's a registered kinesiologist and NCCP certified coach with Special Olympics here in BC, specifically with basketball, hockey, and track and field. Now, he spent the last few years on the care support team of Ben, who has now joined us. Um, Ben was Mindert's first client. They started doing uh, workouts to help improve his strength uh, for Special Olympics floor hockey, because Ben loves hockey. Who doesn't? He also collects hockey cards. We could talk about that in a bit. Now, we prog- they progressed from uh, doing the workouts in his house to going to the rec center. Now, Ben is 26, year old, 26 years old. Mindert and the team are currently working with him to get stronger and faster for his Special Olympic hockey season. So, Mindert and Ben, thank you for joining me today. Hi, Evan. Thank you so much for having us on. I'm excited to uh, get to talking and... Uh talk a little bit more about myself and what I do and Ben will say hi as well. Hey. hey Ben, nice to meet you. Me too. So Minder, what got you interested in, to be involved so much in the developmental disability community? Uh, I really owe it actually uh, initially to my, my older sister. She was volunteering for Special Olympics when I moved out to Burnaby and she convinced me to come and volunteer for Special Olympics um, Burnaby as well and from there I kind of just grew a lot more into the community, volunteered for a number of years at Special Olympics and then about three, four, five years ago I kind of wanted a bit of a change in my current career and decided I wanted to try a unique opportunity where I'll have the chance to work with someone that I haven't worked with before, and that was an awesome chance for me to kind of dip into the developmental disability community where I get to work with someone that, you know, I haven't had a lot of life experience with, and I've absolutely loved it, and I will continue to do it probably for the rest of my life. And so how long have you been working with the developmental disability community now? So I've been volunteering with Social Olympics since 2015, and then I've been working with Ben for three years, or how long? Uh, well, three years, yeah. So yeah, three, three and a half years I've been working with Ben. Um, yeah. And, and what, so what, you know, what's the, what's the feedback you get from working with this particular group? Ooh, the feedback. Well, I think the feedback I get is, I mean, I'll say my feedback. My feedback is I absolutely love it. Like, I love working with this group and I find it so one of my one of my passions I'll say is being able to work with you know people from the develop the developmental disability community and share my knowledge with them or helping them any way I can with you know what I've learned in my experiences and then in terms of feedback they give me I mean I hope I hope the feedback is they like, what do you mean do you like me Ben what's the feedback um he does a good job <laughs> uh, I, you know, I hope the feedback is that they, they like me back, and um, so I, I guess we'll continue to see. 
So if, just from you, from from your own personal perspective, it's it, it's a very rewarding challenge to do this. Yeah, I I'd say so. I mean, I always try to. I always feel rewarding is such a weird thing for for me to say. Is you know, I, I don't know if I truly feel rewarded by it. But I just love it. Like I, I don't know if it's I feel a reward. I feel like I just love it. It's something I'm good at. It's something I enjoy. I'm never at a point where I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to work today. Like I don't, I don't want to do it because I don't enjoy it. No, it's, it's the opposite. I love it. I'm never, never worried about having to go see a client because I don't feel like it today or this or that. Like I know how excited they are, and that excites me as well. I guess is how I would put it. No, that's 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 that. I definitely understand that. Working with De uh, Developmental Disabilities Association, I often feel the same way. Um, so, you, did you start working with Special Olympics, or did you just start working with clients with developmental disabilities? No, so I started with Special Olympics. I started volunteering, like I said, in about 2015 for basketball. I did that for five, four or five years first. Um, and then in about 2018, 2019 is where I decided I wanted to get a little bit more involved, and that's when I joined the care support team of uh, the man who sits next to me, Ben. And that was kind of my first step into getting a little bit more involved in the community rather than just doing an hour, an hour and a half of Special Olympics coaching each week. Now, mm -hmm. kind of going to that role and then from there kind of progressing to getting more clients. So I'd say I started like Spectrum Health, which is my company, in the beginning of the, this year is when I kind of launched it after working with Ben for two years, two and a half years and figuring out you know, maybe there's also uh, a, a greater need for this for, for, for other individuals in the community wanting to work out and get, you know, personalized and specific kind of workouts tailored towards them and their needs and their abilities. Now, d does that mean you have a bunch of other? How many clients in this community do you have? Prior, so I have now I have nine clients in the community. Prior to starting, I just had 10. Mm -hmm. Um but prior to starting, I just had one. That was Ben, and then talking to Tim and his parents, and they both uh, they both agreed that they liked it, and they thought there was definitely usage of other families and individuals wanting to use a service like this, and that's kind of where I started it. So I started in January, um, and then have gotten about eight or nine clients now. So you started in, technically in January this year. January this year, 2023. Yeah. Okay, good. So hopefully we can uh, get the word out. And because I, I mean, health of people with disab developmental disabilities is so important. I mean, we're they're living longer, they're having more involved lives, and this this can only be a huge benefit. Yeah, exactly. I think you know, as as we try to promote more independence within that community, I think physical activity is something that everyone can have some independence with, and I've definitely started to see it myself. And, you know, Vancouver and the Lower Mainland is such an amazing place where we have so many awesome rec centers and other mm -hmm. facilities that people can use. So I thought, you know what, if I can get people comfortable, used to it, independent, you know, they're more likely to go and be physically active on their own. So there's a huge push for that independence within the community, and I guess I just want to try to play my part in that as well in terms of like a physical activity aspect. Yeah, I just I, I see this as a growth industry. I like, you know, after being with DDA for a number of years now, I, I, I don't really see that. And that's what piqued my interest in wanting to talk to you is because no one seems to be doing this. So, uh, you know, 
kudos to you because this is this is a real growth industry. So. Um, that said, what do you think has been lacking for people in the developmental disability community when it comes to health and exercise? So, yeah, so I think like the biggest thing that I see lacking is you know, having on Special Olympics for a number of years, I, I got to witness what group activities meant. And there's so, there's quite a few, but there's not enough yet where those group activities, or they're not frequent enough, or they can be in smaller in size. So, you know, for, for my program at Special Olympics, 30 to 35 different athletes show up. And the biggest thing for me was they're all so varying in ability mm-hmm. that I'm trying to accommodate everyone, but in the end, people on the higher or lower end are obviously going to get left out or aren't going to get as out of it as much as they could had it been a smaller group setting. And I think that's what kind of really inspired me as well is to try to make it more one-on-one or super small group settings to, to really focus and allow them to get the most out of their own potential in a way. And that's kind of what, uh, so I guess more like a more personalized approach. Like I want to work just one-on-one or, you know, do a small group class so I can really focus on everyone and focus on their needs and, and focus on how I can best, you know, get them to reach their potential. Yeah. And at the end of the day, not everybody wants to play on a team, right? Exactly, and that's that's a big thing too, right? It's very intimidating to try a sport you've never played before, and you know it'd be, it's super social as well because there's twenty, thirty people showing up at any given time, especially in the lower mainland sports. So that's something I've also seen as well as like slowly getting them comfortable with exercise and then approaching the idea like, oh, now that they're feeling comfortable doing these different exercises, would you ever think about doing Special Olympics? And you know, I've luckily had the chance to uh, get one or two of my clients thinking about doing special or special Olympics in the future as well because they've started to feel more comfortable doing exercise or I've showed them how to dribble a basketball and now they have belief in themselves that they can dribble that basketball so it's less intimidating of a barrier to uh, get there as well well yeah and besides your surface services and besides uh, special Olympics where can people with developmental disabilities uh, find personal training or can they they can find personal training. I think if you went to any studio or gym that had personal trainers on staff, you could get that personal training for individuals as well. The whole idea of my service is that I'm mobile, and I'm understanding that it's always tough for people to go to a gym or a studio for taking transit mm-hmm. or a ride. So I said, like, hey, let's, let's cut that out. Why don't I come to you? I can meet you at your house or I can meet you at your apartment gym or I can try to meet you at the community center like that's closest to you so we can walk over because again I want to get them comfortable on their own doing it so my whole goal is if we work out at home a couple of times with me and then hopefully one other day of the week I'll make you do exercises at home yourself you know your space you know the equipment you have at home and I've had some success with that where I'll take the clients doing the exercises during our sessions and I'll ask them to do it two or three times a week on their own and have a lot of success with them at their house they'll send me a screenshot of their Apple watch and it says 20 minutes 30 minutes of resistance or um, cardio training of what they just did the exercises that we do they're doing them on their own now so 
What do you, what do you, when you say you're mobile, what do you actually bring to the client? Obviously you're not going to bring a gym with you, but what do you bring and what do you get them to do? So I bring like a yoga mat, I'll bring a bunch of bands, I'll bring some hurdles, I'll bring some cones. I really try to tailor the exercises towards what, you know, they would like. So if they have specific goals in terms of some of them are doing, like Ben, doing special Olympic sports, and he wants to get stronger for hockey or faster for hockey. So we're going to do stuff that's going to focus more on that. If someone's just looking to generally move and get a bit better, we'll uh, do the, the exercises and tailor the workouts towards that. But for me, I basically bring this, I just comment, it's pretty funny. I show up with this giant duffel bag and I'm full of yoga mats, fans, <laughs> stone turtles. We have some like weird little exercise sliders. Just so all these kind of smaller, portable exercise equipment that we can use rather than big, heavy weights. We don't need those big, heavy weights, especially when we're starting to really get you comfortable moving. We can do a lot of body weight, a lot of squats, planks, sit-ups, a lot of stuff we can do. And again, my whole idea is the less equipment I use and the more likely I can get you to do exercises on your own. So if I have to do a lot of the stuff we do with equipment, that you don't have at home, it's going to get very hard for me to kind of get that client to do exercises on their own. Mm-hmm. So is, is a lot of your exercises primarily to do with cardio and conditioning and not so much weight training? Uh, no, I would say it's a big mix of both. So I would say like a lot of, some of it's cardio, but a lot of it's like resistance training, so muscle training, a lot of it's like balance training. Um, making sure they have the ability to balance for themselves is a lot of like fall prevention. Um, yeah, working a lot of my lower body strength, core strength, and then some cardio and conditioning in there as well. The cardio and conditioning comes into more of how I structure the workouts. So doing exercises back-to-back with less rest will keep that heart rate higher, and that's where that client will kind of get that cardio style of workout. Right. Now I'm going to switch over here a little bit. Ben, uh, I'd like to talk to you if that's okay. That's fine, yeah. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Ben. Um, well, where do I start? <laughs> um, what do you like to do? I, I like um, sports. What sports do you like? Well, I like hockey, football. Um, eventually, I'm going to um, eventually I'm going to enter another board in Special Olympics, other than just hockey. So tell me a little about your hockey in Special Olympics. Um, well, we do stuff like drills, um, like dribbling the, the puck around the cones. I, I play um, right wing. Right wing, Ox, so you, you're, you shoot right. I'm a lefty. I used to play... Uh, uh, left wing in hockey. So this is, is this floor hockey or is this ice hockey? Floor hockey. We use ring at sticks, ring at pucks. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, that's cool. So how long have you been doing that? I've been doing it, well, I've been doing it for around just over a year. So what do you like about it? Um, it's, it, I'm able to connect with new people, um, and it's just really fun as well. Absolutely, it's really fun. How many people are on your team, do you know? 
Um, there's how many do you think? 25 or 30? Yeah, 25 or 30 people. Awesome. How many? Like, they, 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 they do like tournaments. There's a couple tournaments a year as well. That's awesome. Like how many goal? Are you a good goal scorer? Not yet. <laughs> You'll get there. Who's your favorite hockey yeah. player right now? Um, I'm going to say McDavid. Oh, he's he's amazing to watch, isn't he? Yeah, he is. That guy is a magician. But you must... Yeah. Are you a Canucks fan? Are you hopeful for the new Canucks season? Yeah, I'm I'm a huge Edmonton fan, but I'm, I'm a Canucks fan mainly because I live here, right? Yeah. I grew up in Edmonton, but I have to tell you, I've never liked the Edmonton Oilers. I'm a diehard Canucks really? fan. <laughs> wow. But they're going to need a miracle if they're going to get anywhere near a cup, I think. Yeah. I actually have confidence for this year. They got some good players in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how this goes. It's about rebuilding, right? Yeah. So what do you think about Mind Dirt as a trainer? Um, he does a good job. He does a good job. He's getting you he's getting yeah. you prepped for the season. Yeah. When does the when does your hockey season actually start? Um, the end of September is the first practice. Oh, coming up real quick. So so what are you doing yeah. to get in in shape for that? Um, doing stuff like legs, leg presses, um, walking, walking, um, outside my house, like down, down the street and back. I'm doing, um, I'm using dumbbells. That sounds good. Uh, lap pull, lap pull down, is it called? Uh, yeah, lap pull down. All sorts of exercises in the gym. So you guys, which, which gym do you like to go to? We go to his apartment gym. Oh, okay. So he's got a, he's got a gym that that comes with uh, with the suite and stuff. That's that's kind of convenient. Yeah. Uh, we also go to uh, a gym here in North Burnaby called Willingdon Heights Park. There's a community center there that we go to as well. Yeah. Well, that's good. So there's lots of stuff to throw around. So you, you yeah. be, besides hockey, what do you like to do? Um. What do I like to do? Um, Collect hockey cards. Oh, that's a good one. You got any uh, yeah. really good valuable ones? Well, I got McDavid. Of course. <laughs> and you... Jack Eichel. And which one? And Eichel. Oh, Eichel. Oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. My first cup here. <laughs> yeah. So you've got a you'll you'll have to get a new one with uh, Quinn Hughes with his captain's jersey. Yeah, no. I also own like twenty um, NHL jerseys. Really? Wow. Yeah. I have one. Twenty is a lot. Yeah. Can you list a few? Pardon? Can you tell me about a few? Um. Well, I have a McDavid or their their or the Edmonton Oilers orange jersey from McDavid. I have a Pedersen All Star jersey from the first All Star game he was in. And I have a huge jersey, Besser, four values down the Canucks. What do you think um, of Besser these days? I'm not really impressed. <laughs> yeah, he was, he, was, he was like the great hope. Hasn't really transpired. Yeah. As I mean, he's good, don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to see how he does this year. First year, he's been getting injured a whole time. Yeah, yeah, he was. When and then um, left the... Left the Door to the bench open and oh, that was brutal, wasn't it? Yeah. 
That looked pretty painful. Yeah. Well, that's great. So, what do you what do you like to do when you're just at home, Ben? Um, read hockey articles. So you really are a rabid hockey fan, is what you're trying to tell me. Yes. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. Because yeah, the season's coming up and getting excited, I'll get my own jersey on. So we'll yeah. see how everything goes. So yeah. I'm gonna. I, I'm. Thank you for talking to me, Ben. I'm gonna switch this back to Mind Dirt now, if that's okay. Fine, yeah. Perfect. All right, Mind Dirt. So, um, in your view, can most people with developmental disabilities use systems at gyms without too much of an issue, or do you some? Because uh, obviously, uh, machines like hammer strength and things like that are are pretty much designed for typically developed people. Uh, do you run into any issues with that, or do you even use machines, or is it more of a free weight thing? Um, I think I do a mix of both. I, I like the idea of free weight, like I said, balance is such an important thing that I want to work on for fall prevention, as well as just overall making sure they're having, you know, a stronger level of coordination. Um, you don't quite get that with machines. However, I do like to use machines to start to show them how to move, like how I want them to actually like fold with their leg or how I want them to use their arm in a certain way because machines are very nice for that. So for me, the biggest thing is, you know, progressing or adapting the exercises, the individual's ability. So if, if I feel like, you know, they're ready for exercises that require a higher degree of coordination, it's more free weight. If I'm understanding that they're not quite there, but they definitely have the strength to, you know, move some weight around, I'm going to try to get them on the machines a bit more. Mm-hmm. In terms of, like, machine setup, I mean, you know, there's certain limits to each machine, but for the most part, they're well set up for everyone. There's a lot of adjustability because, you know, some people are taller, shorter, longer arms, shorter legs. So the machines themselves have a lot of adjustability, and that's why, as Ben mentioned earlier, like, we love the leg machine. It's a great way to get the legs super strong, move a bunch of weight. That doesn't require the same level of, like, coordination right now with a heavy squat or something. But you can get those you can get those legs feeling like they're doing a nice heavy squat, but in a nice controlled motion. Mm-hmm. So when you, you know, you're a registered uh, kinesiologist, you've you've done all the education. And like within that education, is there something that are there any courses that are geared toward working with people working with people with developmental disabilities, or is it just a general education that way? No, it's definitely more of a general education, and even then I'd say it's a lot of like learning on the job. Again, it's very hard to teach someone out of a textbook and in the classroom how to teach someone else how to move, how to, you know, how to do certain exercises. So after I graduated from SFU, I had the chance to work as a kinesiologist in a studio for two or three years mm-hmm. as a personal trainer and as a kinesiologist, and that's where I kind of learned how to change exercises according to each person's ability and as a kinesiologist I worked with a number of people from like ICBC who had motor vehicle accidents mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of where my chance to really learn how to progress and regress exercises based on what they could do because they had physical limitations based on their pain or their injury and that's where it was really awesome for me to understand like how to progress and regress exercises to fit the individual and 
I kind of carried that over when working with Ben and working with a couple of the other clients is how I can adapt to exercise best for them. Um, I wish there was a more coursework on how to work with people, but specifically also how to work with people with disability. Um, mm. But any kind of coursework you would do, that would be on your own. I do know that there is like a online or virtual course that you can do um, that allows for individuals to have like a autism exercise certification um, as well. But nothing like directly out of school in terms of working with people with disabilities. That's kind of something you have to do on your own. Yeah, I'm finding and, that. Uh, have a chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a podcast with Michael Serrata, the guy who owns uh, Serrata's uh, Martial Arts Academy in, in Vancouver and Richmond, and he does a lot of work with people with developmental disabilities as well. If, if you know, if Ben, if you're interested, he does a really great service. And then what I found with him, too, is that any, any training or instruction with the, in that respect was something he had to do on his own, much like yourself. So it seems like there might be a you know, a growth industry or some, or a growth, at least in the education system, uh, when it comes to with people with uh, with cognitive disabilities, because there's a there's a lot of people out there who could use that kind of service. Yeah, I think you're starting to see more and more of it, too, right now that, uh, you know, independence is a lot more focused on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it's the same thing that uh, Toronto said as well, with a lot of it learning on my own and figuring out what you know how how best i could do it i guess is, is is what i've learned from that yeah and i'm not saying that there's a silver bullet solution to that but it's it just seems like with with inclusion and community living being the driving force these days which is great uh you know having more of that support through our education system might be a, a good thing so exactly and you know i'm solely in the background been working on trying to partner with like the different municipalities of trying to you know host because each of them have their own, like Burnaby has adapted programs. Um, each of them have their own and, you know, maybe getting them a little bit more attention or, you know, providing people with a little bit more insight how to use these resources. So there's different municipalities are trying to offer them more. Um, I think the biggest thing is people just don't know where to start. You know, if yeah. they've never been in a gym before, one, it's very intimidating. But two, how do you learn to do all these exercises without someone trying to help you? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, even even I go to a gym, and sometimes I I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I do the best I can, but if you you know, you know, at the end of the day, here's the sort of sad reality: is that hiring a personal trainer costs money. Yeah. You know, and we all know that people with disabilities, uh, their life already may cost more than 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 a typically developed person. So that becomes an issue. Talk to me about how uh, people can afford your services. Yeah, so again, so luckily I early on um, got some insight and help through CLBC, Community Living BC, and talking with them, individuals are eligible to use their respite funding if they're approved by CLBC for my services. Um, so that's like one way that it can be cost effective for, for people, um, which is super nice. I'm starting to slowly try to expand as well into like younger teens mm -hmm. uh, or sorry, teens, older teens. Um, and they'll still be eligible for like autism funding. Um, so getting approved for like autism funding units. Um, the other ways for like paying for my services is I recently decided that I'm trying to do a new service and that's where I understand that people already 
have a bit of a healthcare team of their own or they have already have respite workers. So I call it like my hands off approach. And that's where I meet with someone just once to go over and assess how they move, how, how it's going, and then trying to set up like an online platform them, for them to use. Mm-hmm. So my example would be like, I have an online training tool. We meet once, I figure out, okay, here's why I feel like you could improve. Here's how we can make it work. And then I use like an online coaching tool to set up workouts for them to do either on their own if they have the capability or with a current respite team they already have in place. Sounds like a sounds like a good plan. What's you ultimately? Uh, what are your long term goals for this? Uh, oh, long term goals for Spectrum Health. Good question. I think it for me the biggest thing would be trying to make it as accessible for everyone as possible. So I'm even looking to do like smaller group training classes throughout the city, um, in like a different municipalities, so people can you know come at it maybe a slightly reduced rate. Um, having yeah like 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 i said like set up with community gyms or so community centers that already exist of having a service like this with other coaches that can do it as well so so they have the chance and i think like you said it's the movement for independence comes like just training people on figuring out or training people on how they can help others you know approach this so if there's other personal trainers out there that are trying to do something similar at their gym or their studio, how I can best direct clients towards that local gym or studio close to them. So, I mean, the possibilities are the possibilities are endless in terms of, you know, what Spectrum can do. But for me, it's just trying to provide my service to as many people as can as I can because I know how big of an impact it can have on, on their lives. Yeah, staying healthy. That's key. It's key for anybody. Yeah. So how do yeah. people how do people reach you? So people can reach me. Um, easiest way to do it is through my website, which is mbspectrumhealth.com. Um, and that way they can read all about my services. And on, on there is also my contact information, my email, my phone number. There's like an intake form. There is um, there are some like referrals as well or, you know, past clients, what they said about my service and mm-hmm. what they'd like about it the other way you could do it as well is i have some brochures that i printed off and dropped off around the city i'm going to drop them off at so clbc has them at each of their offices i'm actually hoping to come go to dda and drop off yeah, the brochures please there. do so there'll be some brochures around but easiest way is to just do uh look me up online and that's again mdspectrumhealth.com and there's a website uh, that has all my information there and my phone number awesome I think that about wraps it up, uh, Mindert and Ben. You have been listening to DDA's Encouraging Abilities podcast. My guest today has been Mindert Hinlopen. Mindert is heavily involved in the developmental disabilities community. He's a kinesiologist and coach for the Special Olympics PC. He set up a mobile personal training business for people with developmental disabilities called MB Spectrum Health. He wants to help them reach their health and fitness goals and create a literal level playing fields for everyone. You can find more information at mbspectrumhealth.com, along with Mindert, of course, is one of his clients, Ben, today, who loves hockey. He was here to help champion what Mindert is doing. I thank you both for being here today. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>